Man, it's great to see everyone this morning, and I promise we'll be out before 3.30. Some of you have a... Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Hey, in just a moment, we're going to receive uh, an offering, our n- normal tithes and offerings, and so I want to give you an opportunity to get ready for that. And, and in preparation for that, I thought, I, I want to read a couple of statistics for the big game today. And so... So in case you're wondering about any of this uh, stuff, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and some of you are going to watch it. If you are one of 151 million viewers, you'll be watching the Super Bowl today. 151 million people will tune in at some point and watch the game. A decent percentage of those, and this wasn't in here, is, is just actually to watch the commercials. <laughs> right? Right? That's, that's it. I believe there's actually a, a whole Super Bowl party that, that the only reason they're getting together is to eat and to watch the commercials. So, so that's okay. Well, those commercials, by the way, cost about $4 million for a 30-second commercial. It's up to five now. It's five now. Okay. So, so I was figuring that's, well, it's this, this figure will be a little off. It'll be a little bit more than this. So that's going to be approximately $140,000 a second. Yeah, for a commercial. That's fun. Today, about 28 million pounds of potato chips are going to be consumed. <laughs> the poor chickens that are giving up the sacrifice for this next one. One billion pounds of chicken wings. A billion pounds of chicken wings. I know none of this will be consumed or purchased by us, but 50 million cases of beer will be sold for Super Bowl. 50 million cases divided by the 151 million people on average. Every viewer of the Super Bowl will will have purchased, whether they consume or not, eight cans of beer. That does not take into account all the beer sold at the pubs, the restaurants, and the bars. Because of all the chicken wings, potato chips, and other things being consumed, 7 million people will call in sick on Monday. (laughs) And there will be a 20% increase in sales of antacids tomorrow. (laughs) True story. True story. Anyone buy avocados for for the dip? You and me will consume 53.5 million pounds of avocados today, which would cover an entire football field 12 feet deep in guacamole. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but I've I've got a picture of me just like swimming in that because I love good guacamole. And uh, you don't always find the good stuff. Anyway, so my, my goodness. Each player of, of the game today, whether you're Tom Brady or the third string rookie, will earn $98,000 to play the game. Just that's what they earn to play the game. Now for Tom Brady, if that's all he got, that would be an extreme cut in his pay considering he's making about $30 million a year to play the game. We don't even want to begin to talk about how much Super Bowl tickets cost today. 
And instead of going to the Super Bowl, you came here, and so we're going to receive an offering now. <laughs> Amen. So, wow. We, we, we hope that as a, as a body, we don't hope, actually we know, that as a body, we will put our, our finances to different uses other than a $5 million Doritos commercial. We're going to invest our money into the kingdom of God to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to expand the kingdom of God in this church right here. We want to help other believers grow in their walk with God to draw one step closer to Jesus. But we're not going to keep that uh, in these walls. We're going to try to expand the kingdom of God in people's lives outside of the walls into the community that we live. We want to be an influence even in our state and in the nation and throughout the world where we support missions. As you're giving into today's offering, we're going to expand the kingdom of God into good, good soil. Are you in, in agreement with that? Let's pray for this offering and receive it. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have blessed us. God, we live in a, an amazingly blessed country that we can eat 58 million pounds of guacamole this, this day. God, but truly, we are really, really super blessed. Fathers, we give it to the offering today. We want to we sow into a good soil, Father. We thank you that you've connected us with ministries and missions throughout the world, God, and that there's good things happening in this place. So we pray as we give into the offering, expand the kingdom of God in this place, in this community, in the state, throughout the nation, and throughout the world where you've connected our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 Gentlemen, if you'll come, you can also give online and through the website that you can text give. And we're, we're, we're almost, you know, uh, techie and, and up to date on those things. So praise the Lord. We, we haven't started taking Apple Pay and Samsung Pay yet. Is anyone using that? I, I'm just curious. Is anyone using Samsung Pay or Apple Pay? And some of you are going, what the heck is that? You can actually, if you have a smartphone, you can now have things called Apple Pay and, and Samsung Pay and walk into a store, some stores, and pay just right with your smartphone by just waving your little phone over their little reader. It is kind of cool, but kind of crazy and kind of weird. Anyways. All right, so you, you did not come to church this morning, and if uh, we're recording, I'm sure, you didn't come to church this morning uh, to hear just about the Super Bowl, but some of you probably expected to hear something about that, and, and, and it's going to tie in this morning as, as I was thinking about, about the Super Bowl. Now, I am one of the people who will watch one football game this year, and it's today. And it's today. Um, th there's actually a decent percentage of the people who watch the game today, this is the game that they watch. I did not know who was playing until this week. I had to Google it. And I, 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 I love watching. I love watching. I don't usually have a lot of time to watch. I enjoy getting together with people. 5% of, of the 151 million people who watch the game today, five, only 5% will do it alone. 95% of that number is going to be watching it with somebody else. Because, because that's kind of the way we, we like to do things. We like to do it. I've invited a... Uh, you know, we're just going to watch with a few people. Another statistic of the Super Bowl parties that are happening today, the average attendance is 17. Now, I don't know where they get that number, but if that's the average attendance, I'm like, wow, there are some big Super Bowl parties. 
But, but in all of those things, I was actually kind of thinking about how some of you guys and maybe even some of you women are, are lining up your teams and, and, you know, kind of comparing. If you don't have a favorite team playing, you might just be looking at the, at the quarterbacks and the receivers and different and getting the stats on the team to find out who you think is going to win. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and we always hope that there's more Christians on one team because the team with the most Christians wins, right? <laughs> wow. But, uh, but you know, it's so, so we're, you know, and you look up the statistics and, you, you know, with, a, with the quarterbacks and, and you got a, you know, Tom Brady, a little bit more of a, a veteran, but uh, you got Ryan coming in and, and, and he's looking good. And so people are looking at, well, what's their completion record and, and how many touchdowns have they passed? And, and you know, some of you guys following, right? You're kind of, kind of looking at these, at these numbers, looking at some of the receivers, which I was, I was doing some of that going, oh, what does it look like? And, and you know, I think we, we're going to have a good game today. If you were the, uh, the, the, the owner of one of these teams and you were in charge of uh, getting the draft picks for, for your football team, you, you'd be looking at these statistics. If you're, if you're going to shell out 20 or 30 or $40 million in the next year or two for a player, you're not just going to pick someone because he's good looking. You know, you're going to be looking at, at, at abilities and stats. You're going to look at, at, at crazy things like not just their height. Both of our quarterbacks, they are six foot four, so it's kind of evenly matched height-wise. You're actually, believe it or not, you're going to be measuring their arms. You know, if you're on a, on a de- if you're the defense, you're going to want a guy who's tall and got big arms so that they can get that interception. This is what they're all looking for. They're looking for speed, agility, balance. They're looking for uh, just so many things, of course, and then they're looking at all of their stats. I would too. I can't even imagine paying $30 million or earning $30 million. I don't know if you can either. I, I, I won't earn $30 million in my life. In fact, I figured it, will take, it would take me probably about 20 lifetimes to earn that much money. And that's just his signing, what he's going to get, right? But we're going to be starting a series next week. What on earth am I here for? The purpose-driven life. And I was praying and thinking about it this week and saying, you know, Lord, if we're starting this series next week, what do you want to say this week? What do you want to speak to us? And as we are going to be listening to the purposes that the Bible has for us, by the way, spoiler alert for, for the series, just in case you didn't know this. Our purposes revolve around God. Just in case you were wondering what your purpose was, it revolves around God and, and how God wants to be involved in our life and how God wants us to be involved in His kingdom plan and that He actually created us for things other than football even though he says, enjoy football, enjoy, have a life, those things are okay. So as we're thinking about this, this idea of, wow, does God have a purpose for my life? We need to understand and, and agree that God is worth following his plan for our life. See, because the truth is, there's a lot of people who have a plan for your life. Doritos has a plan for your life that you will consume Doritos. And that's why they're spending $5 million for a commercial 
to make you purchase their product. See, everyone, so many people have a plan and a purpose for your life. The question is, is how many of those are reliable people, trustworthy people to follow their plan? We will do it whether we think about that or not because many of you this week will drive through Starbucks and grab a coffee. And you will follow their purpose for your life, which is to spend money. Walgreens has a, has a whole purpose to make as much money on a single purpose. You can read, this is in their statement, make as much money in a single visit to their store. That's part of their operating procedure. The other thing that Walgreens does is a, is a, is a store is they know that they want to be on a corner. Have you ever noticed that Walgreens are always on a corner? They have torn down million-dollar buildings that were a block away but not on a corner to rebuild and put it on a corner. They have a plan and purpose for you in their statement. In the book, Good to Great, we learned a little bit about them. And that one of their purposes, and, and they followed, is that they want you to spend as much money in their store every visit you can, that you go. And so they arrange their store to do that. Where is the pharmacy at the Walgreens? In the back. Did you know that's not an accident? They have a plan and purpose for you that you will walk to the pharmacy and pass aisles and go, wow, I just can't live without that. We're all part of this life where people have a plan and a purpose for us. And sometimes we follow unknowingly. What I want to talk about today is the God of the Bible, that his plan and purpose, that he is worthy of following the plan that he has for us. And I want to get it so deep into us that when we are questioning whether or not we will follow God or follow something else, that we will be convinced that God is worthy to follow. See, as believers, we would probably say, yeah, I believe that, that he's worthy to follow. And yet if we look in the mirror, if we look at our daily habits, if we look at our checkbook, if we look at different areas of our life, we could probably say, I don't follow him in everything that I do. I am not following the perfect plan for my life. Now, I'm not saying we're even going to ever be perfect, but, but, but sometimes we're not even making a lot of effort. We're just falling into other plans. What we want to begin to get is the understanding deep down that God has a plan for us and that he is worthy of following, that he knows, Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans I have for you. And it's a plans to give you a hope, a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Now, we, we've heard these scriptures, but today we're going to talk about some stats. Because later on today, you guys and some of you ladies are going to be talking about, especially if you're watching the game with somebody from the other team, and you're going to start throwing out numbers. Well, yeah, well, he passed for 342 yards in that game, and he did this, and he did that. We're going to throw out stats. What are some of God's stats? Let's start with just a couple simple ones. One. That's the number of times that Jesus gave his life to pay for your sins. It's a good stat. He did it once, only had to do it once. That is a great stat. He loved us so much that he was willing to die for our sins. Zero is the number of times that God is not watching over you every second of the day. God is watching over you and me all the time. He never fails. Zero percent chance that he will ever forget you or me. 
He will never forget us. We can go into some scriptures here in a moment. There is a 100% chance that Christians have hope no matter what the circumstance. There's a 100% chance that you can have hope. Someone counted, and, and I, didn't, I didn't go and count to verify this because it would be a lot of work. But somebody apparently took it upon themselves to count the promises in the Bible, and they came up with 3,573. Have you heard that, something like that? 3,573 promises in the Bible. Well, it's one thing to promise. It's another thing to deliver. Some of you have had 401Ks that promised a lot and did not deliver. Some of his, past, uh, his promises in the Bible is that he will have compassion. Go to Lamentations 3, if, you, if you've got a Bible. Lamentations 3, verse 22. In Lamentations 3.22, it, depending on the version you have, it says that his, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies or his compassion never come to an end. His compassion, his mercies never come to an end. That's so important for us to get a hold of and understand that his stats are 100% merciful that he has mercy towards us, that he has compassion toward us. And, and a moment ago I told you that he's always watching over us, which is amazing because though he's always watching over us and they, though he sees us fail, he has mercy and compassion and that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. In the, in the, in the book of First Chronicles, there's a story of David. Now, David was a, a, a man after God's own heart. He was serving the Lord. But like anyone, pride snuck into his life. Thank you. And he wanted to number his fighting men, and he was told not to do it. But he, he overrode that, the will of God, and he counted all the fighting men. He wanted to know how powerful his army was. And God judged him for it. And God gave him a choice to have his enemies come in and destroy him, to have other things come in, or he says, or the, or the Lord, my, myself, I will come in and, and bring judgment. And David said, even though he was about to be judged, don't let me be in the hands of my enemies. I'll fall into the hands of the Lord because I know he will be merciful to me. And he chose the discipline of the Lord because in that he knew God's would still be merciful. Thousands of people were killed. It wasn't that God came in and says, oh, you chose right, I'm not going to do anything to you. Judgment came and thousands and thousands of people were killed at the hand of the Lord. And it wasn't until David made a sacrifice to God and repented that the judgment of the Lord stopped. But David, full knowing that that would happen, said, I will throw myself at the mercy of God. David had an understanding that no matter what happened in life, he was better following God in his mercy, even when things are tough, even when there's a judgment, even when something happens, God is full of mercy. 
In, Ma- in Malachi 3, God says, I change not. That's a good stat. I change not. Malachi is the Italian prophet at the back of the Bible. It's Malachi. He says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. If you're thinking about investing money into a player, if you're thinking of investing your life into somebody, you want to make sure they're worth investing in it, and you want to invest your life, everything you have, into someone who says, I change not. And you can read from the beginning to the end of the Bible that he does not change, that he's full of hope, compassion, mercy. He's also full of judgment and wrath, and it did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He is faithful to his word. He cannot change. The Bible says in Numbers twenty three nineteen that he cannot lie. He does not lie. These are things that we want to invest our lives into someone who is faithful until the end. With the divorce rate at 50% and above, people who stand across from each other and say, until death do us part, and then not follow through with their wishes, we need to know that there is somebody in this world who isn't going to lie to us, who isn't going to change, and that is only God himself. He is worth us investing our hope and our futures into saying, God, you have a purpose for me. I will follow that because he and only he is immutable, unchangeable. And we should have hope and and faith in that. Psalm 119 verse 90 says that his faithfulness endures to all generation. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, it says that even if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. No matter what, he will be faithful to us even when we're faithless. And if you've ever been faithless, you can say, Amen. I have been faithless in my life. God has never been faithless. In fact, it says he cannot. He cannot and will not. <sighs> Praise God that we have someone who is faithful to us. I'm liking his stats. I'm liking his stats. You know, in, and I know it's, it's, this is Super Bowl time, but you know in baseball, you, you've got a really good player when they have a, a, a batting average of like, you know, 300 is really good. Do you know what that means? That's 30%. And these, these baseball players are making, you know, the same $20 million a year for having a, a, a 28 to 35% batting average. God's 100%. God's 100%. He's worth every investment that we make into him. God, I will give you everything. I'm giving you my heart. I surrender all to you. All to you. Sometimes when I'm being really real with God, there's the other song, the old hymn, if you remember singing that, I Surrender All. Sometimes when I'm being, being really honest with God, I'm like, God, I feel like I should say, I surrender some, some to Jesus. I surrender, I surrender some. Because it's, it's, our, it's our natural uh, man, the, 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 the fleshly part, that we want to hold some things back. 
not a good idea. God has a plan that's good for us. Ananias and Sapphira were, if you want an example of bad, holding something back, just you know, look up Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira, it didn't go well for them. He is worthy of us surrendering all. But I want to encourage you that as we give him everything, he gives us back, even financially. He's worthy of giving us, uh, of receiving our investments financially. He says the one time in the Bible that you can test him is in your finances. He says, test me in this and see if I will not pour out a blessing on you and, and why do you say this is because you've robbed me of the tithe i've asked it for a tithe of of 10 percent now a lot of people in the uh, a lot of people today go you know that was old testament we don't need to give 10 percent well i i like the idea that yeah that's right in the old testament god was asking for 10 percent i think the product the the uh, promise in the new testament is that we should give them 100 percent so you can check old testament or new testament whichever one you want to give you can give 10 percent or 100 percent but when we give him 10%, um, he says, test me in this, that if you will do that, that I will provide for you and I will give you out a blessing so much that it's pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's faithful. He's faithful in everything. Another, another stat that's really important for us this morning is found in 1 John chapter 2, if you're taking notes. 1 John chapter 2 says this, this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. The world that we live in is not all there is. There is another world coming to us. It's called heaven. And it is an eternal kingdom. And he's going to give us eternal life. It's a promise. We can bank on it. He is sure. He is faithful to help to, for us to invest our everything and to follow his purpose and plan for our lives. Have you ever been lied to? I have. Have you ever, you ever had somebody says that they forgive you and they didn't? You know, for you know, the, the, hopefully we haven't done that ourselves. Chances are we, we've even said that too. Somebody comes up and says, well, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And we say, yeah, I forgive you. And then we go out and talk bad about them. There's, here's a newsflash. If you're talking, if you're still harboring that bitterness and talking bad about you haven't forgiven them yet. You need to forgive them. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we find out in Psalm 103 that says, as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your sin transgression from us. East and west. Now this is really, really cool. When this was written, Old Testament, they did not know the earth was round. Still thought it was flat. Apparently there's still a group out there called the Flat Earth Society that says they still think it's flat. But, but, but the people thought the earth was flat, and yet God put in the heart of the, of the writer of Psalms to say east and west and not north and south. Any of you people go, go with geography a little bit? How far is north away from south? It's about 12,000 miles. Yep, there you go. 12,500 miles from north-south. So if, if, if the writer would have said, as far as the north is from the south, so if I remove your sins from you, you'd be like, yeah, you can still measure it. They're pretty far out there, but I can still see them. But east and west is immeasurable as far as the east is from the west. So far that he forgets about it. He says that he forgives us and he blots it out. He remembers our sin no more. He chooses to remember our sin no more. He is faithful and he will forgive us even when other people won't. When they're looking for the line in football, they're going to get some big guys out there. If you look at the stat on the line, you know, you're talking, you know, 
280, 300 plus big guys. We're, we're really talking about Doris's son. You know, just massive Randy P. If you don't know him, he's six foot eight. He's like an immovable wall. He was in my youth group. He was like a teenager. He'd come into youth group. <laughs> Hi, Randy. <laughs> Why do you want that? Because you want protection. The quarterback is worth $30 million. They want him protected. So they invest in a good line. Psalm 91 says that God covers you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid by the tower by night nor the arrow that flies by day, not even the pestilence that walks in darkness nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And though I walk through in the midst of trouble, Psalm 138 says, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. He will deliver you. He will protect you. When we look at all the stories in the Bible, we have the, the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they knew that God would deliver them and that they would be safe. And sure enough, they walked in the middle of that fire and they weren't burned. He will deliver us and he will protect us. Now, I want to spend just a couple minutes, just, just a couple minutes, because there's some of you in, in this room possibly that are like me, cynical. And I go, okay, great, those things are, those are written in the Bible, but how do we know it's true? So it's just this, this thing. I'm going to give you just a couple of fulfilled prophecies, historical and fulfilled prophecies. Sometime before 500 B.C., the prophet Daniel, in the book of Daniel, proclaimed that Israel's long-awaited Messiah would begin his public ministry. Okay? 483 years after issuing the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem in, in Daniel chapter 9, he predicted that the Messiah would be cut off, he'd be killed, and that, that, the event, that event would take place prior to the second destruction of Jerusalem. There's t uh, uh, quite a bit of documentation that shows these prophecies were perfectly fulfilled in life and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Um, Jerusalem was restored. The, uh, the, the decree was issued by Artaxerxes in like 458 B.C. 483 years later, the ministry of Christ began and then he was crucified and died and a few years later the temple was destroyed again you have about a you had about a five what, what, how many how many years is that 500 before so you have a 500 year period where those things could have happened but it was perfectly in line and we know that it happened it was prophesied 500 years before and it happened 500 years later the chance of that being fulfilled is one in 10 to the 5th, which isn't that much. That's only 1 in 100,000. Um, in 700 B.C., Micah uh, said that the tiny village of Bethlehem would be the birthplace of Israel's Messiah. That's where he was born. 
Again, um, a, a, stat a statistician said that the chances of that would probably be one in, in the, he said, one in about 100,000. In the 5th century, a prophet named Zechariah declared that the Messiah would be betrayed for the price of a slave, which was 30 pieces of silver. We know, according to the New Testament, that that's exactly the price that Judas picked. Um, because of, of, of the amount um, and all the, th uh, all the different um, things in there, the statistician said that the chance of that happening would be 1 in 10, I can't even say the number, 1 in 10 to the 11. 11 zeros. What was that? Billion? Something like that. Now, when you throw all of those together, you add the 11 plus the 5 and the 5, and that's the chance of three prophecies of Jesus, uh, of, of confirming three prophecies together. But we know all these things happened. Written down. We know they were written down. We know that they happened. And this was the God who put it in the Bible for us. Somebody said, figured this out, that the chances of, of Jesus fulfilling, I believe it was just five of the miracles, um, the fi fulfilling five of the prophecies, being born, um, being uh, hung on a, on a cross, on a tree, being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, I believe just five would be the same amount uh, of odds of filling the entire state of Texas three feet deep with silver dollars, painting one red, throwing it into the middle of the state, stirring it up, walking in blindfold and pulling out the one red silver dollar. Because there's a lot of prophecies in there that talked about dates, certain dates, certain cities, certain um, amounts of money, um, certain ways of being, being killed, which, by the way, when, they, when the Bible talked about him being hung on a tree, that his hands and feet were pierced, that not a bone was broken in his body, they weren't doing crucifixion yet. Crucifixion wasn't invented. Wow. So, you know what sometimes I think God does? He just kind of shows off a little bit. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a proof that I'm trustworthy. I'm going to put these prophecies in the Bible so that you can look back and say, wow, he knew that was going to happen. Maybe he's worthy of being trusted. Maybe he's worthy of my hope. Maybe we can fully say, God, if you have a purpose and a plan for my life, I'm in. Because everyone else around me fails me at some point or another. Even the best meeting people. I love my wife dearly. She loves me. I fail her. She fails me. I don't want to. I don't try to. Some days I just wake up and I'm a big fat jerk. But God is faithful to the end. And he's trustworthy. So church, we need to, to, to take this to heart and to mind that God is worthy. That he is faithful. That he is all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. We're going to get into this individual stuff beginning next week of how he calls us all individual and he has a purpose and a plan and what those purpose and plan are. But this morning I wanted us to just sit in, in, the, in that moment of, God, you're so good. Your stats are amazing. Mine don't, mine don't line up very good when I compare myself to him. 
you know, he created the world. You should see the bookshelf I tried to make. Have you put your hope and trust in Him? I think most of you would say yes. I would say yes. But I would say, well, maybe not like I should. Holding some things back. We're going to ask the um, gentlemen and ladies to serve the communion elements. When Jesus spent the last time with His disciples... Those poor guys. See, they didn't have the benefit of having the New Testament written for them. They didn't understand that Jesus really had to die so that they could live. They were looking for a Savior who would rescue them from, from Rome. They were looking for the Messiah who would come in, 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 in is the place of David and rescue them. When, you, when the elements are passed out, go ahead and hold on to them. We'll pray over them at the end and we'll take them together. Thank you, gentlemen. They, they wanted him to, to just usher in the new time of peace. Thank you, Bob. And here he sits at the, at the supper with them and he starts talking nonsense to them. And, and, and I think his disciples began to get a little scared when he st- started saying things like, this, this bread is my body. It's broken for you. And he's like, well, what does that mean? And they began to recount probably some of the things that Jesus began to say. And and he says, where I'm going, in in his final discourse with them, after supper, he walked along the vineyard and he began to, to talk about where I'm going, you can't follow and And they began to get discouraged, I'm sure. Over the course of the next couple days, their faith would be absolutely rocked and shaken. But see, Jesus had a plan for us that included Him dying for our sin. Jesus had a plan for us that, that we would be able to put our hope and faith into Him and that by His dying for our sins, we'd be able to spend eternal, eternity with Him and have eternal life. His plans included that he would die for our sins so we wouldn't continue to have to sacrifice an animal because no matter how many years you've been saved, you still come up lacking. And we're not perfect. And we need forgiveness and we need a Savior. And his plan was to cover that. Once and for all. One sacrifice for all sacrifices. Now the Bible says that that the, the Jews were not allowed to drink blood. And yet, Jesus, when he took the cup, and we'll do that in a moment, he said, this is the blood of a new covenant. And I'm sure they were going, I don't know, we're not even supposed to drink blood. Now you're talking about this wine being blood and the covenant, and what's, what's all this going about? Says, see, Jesus was trying to help us to understand he's fully trustworthy, that we can trust him, that his sacrifice is complete, that he was going to do the work for us. And there was pictures of that all the way through the Old Testament, that Jesus does the work for us and that we receive all the benefits. 
this week when you're challenged of whether or not you'll follow God and trust him. I want you to remember this message and the things that Jesus has done to say he is fully worthy of 100% trust because he is 100% faithful. Jesus had a lot of disciples while he walked on earth. We hear about the crowds that followed him. The 3,000, the 5,000, the 500, the 120. There were 12 in the upper room with him at this last supper. Because Jesus said some harsh things. And most of his disciples walked away. Because he was at the last supper, he was saying, this is my body. This is the blood of a new covenant. Kind of an all-in all in moment there. This morning as we give and receive of this communion, let's make a fresh commitment to him to follow him. Understanding that he is worthy of following. Heavenly Father, we know your word is, is packed full of the promises that you'll never leave us or forsake us. God, your word is says that you'll work all things out for the good for those who love you, God, and I've seen that happen in, in my life. God, that, that not all things are good, but that you have made good out of all things submitted to you. God, I thank you that I don't have to pay a price any longer. That you gave, it, gave your all so that we could have forgiveness and we could have life. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken. And by receiving it today, God, we commit ourselves afresh to following you. Let's receive of the bread together. And God, we thank you for the new covenant in your blood poured out for us. The sacrificial lamb is spoken about in Exodus. We thank you for your 100% sacrifice and we commit our lives afresh to you today and declare that we will follow you and the purposes that you have for us as you reveal your purposes to us. God, we will commit ourselves to them fresh. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. And I surrender all to you, all to you. And I surrender all to you, all to you. God, we thank you that as we've surrendered to you, you won't turn any of us back. Not one, not one life surrendered to you do you reject. Pray a blessing upon each and every one of us today, this week. God, as, as we continue to follow you, we, we look forward to learning more about you and your promises and your purpose and your calling on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.